This is good. You know, what defines a sheep, man? What defines a flock? What defines a disciple? It's someone who actually follows Jesus, man. But if you're not listening to his voice, how are you ever going to follow him? You know what you're going to follow? You're going to follow your emotions and your feelings and your, and your desires. You're not going to know his desires. A lot of times his desires don't line up with your desires. You have to die to your desires. That's often times the case. That's how you really know you're hearing from God. When God tells you to do something, you don't really want to do it. But you do it anyway because you heard his voice. And you know it's the will of God. That's the difference, man. If you're always hearing what you want to hear, you're probably not hearing God. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes you're not going to hear what you want to hear. Because sometimes God does speak to you the desires of your heart. But it has to line up with the Word of God, with the written Word of God. Make sure that it's not violating that. Okay, But my point is this, man. We've gotten away from hearing God's voice. And if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the scripture says he put his word in our hearts. He's going to write it on the tablet of our mind. And no man will teach us, but we'll be taught by God himself. It's according to the book of Jeremiah. All right. So, doubt comes by seeing coincidence. So even in this passage, man, I'm going to keep reading. Which one? Which no, It says, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have... But little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I, have made, I will make them come and bow down before it. Listen. So again, he's speaking to them in, pro, in prophecy all that's going to take place. But what we want to do is we want to take the open doors and say, you hear what I'm saying? We, we want to wait until we see a door before we believe it's from God. And that's not how this thing works. That is not how it, we have to hear God. And then sometimes he'll say, hey, there's an open door. And I'm gonna, hey, son, I'm going to shut this door and you're not going to be able to do it. If you are in fellowship with him, he'll speak to you. Okay? And it comes with intimacy and with quietness. You know, in our, I, I, I've said this before. If you get real quiet, you can hear the refrigerator humming. If you get real quiet, you can hear the lights humming. If you get real quiet, you know, it's the same thing. When we start seeking the Lord, we have to be really quiet. We have to seek Him and we have to hear it. The scripture says that when it, whenever he was talking to Elijah, they didn't come in the thunderstorm. He didn't come in the, in the earthquake. and didn't come in the wind, but he came in a still, small voice. So when we're, when we're seeking God with all of our heart, we've got to listen and we've got to hear. He's going to speak to us in a very small voice. We've got to be willing to hear that thing. And we've got to be willing to quiet ourselves. But how often do we get so distracted by life we're on Facebook all the time. We're never quiet, man. We're on Facebook or we're watching TV or, or we're watching the sports channel or, or whatever, man. We're just flipping channels, flipping channels. We're always entertaining ourselves. Listen, that's self-worship, man. Let's just put this out there for a minute. Entertainment, man. It's self-worship, man. It's worship of self. It's feeding the flesh. Man, my flesh wants this. It craves this. I'm going to keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. You know that if your flesh is screaming that you can't hear the spirit, you got to kill the flesh. Sometimes you got to start cutting this out. <clears throat> this is where fasting is important. So you can hear God's voice. Why? Because you quiet yourself when you fast. When you fast, you humble yourself. When you fast, you die to yourself. You, you, you become in want of something greater than what you were hoping for to sustain you. You're actually leaning into, the, into God and the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're pursuing Him. It's not that... You, you suffered, so now God's all of a sudden going to answer your prayers. No, you are humbling yourself so that you can receive from God. God's already speaking to you, but sometimes we have to shut everything down. He's already speaking. we got to shut everything down sometimes. we got to go away, get away from everybody. Jesus would go early in the morning and spend time with God, praying and seeking Him, you know? 
He'd spend time seeking them, being, being uh, quiet. And he would hear God's voice. So anyway, that, that, that helps explain that revelation thing, opening the doors. I'm glad we, I'm glad we looked. Thank you for looking at it. Um, so, John chapter 2, 3 through 5. When the, when the wine ran out. So we talked about this a second ago. Mary pulled something down from heaven that wasn't for her time yet. So that also debunks the whole theory of um, God's timing. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of things, man. If It's faith that moves things. Faith moves things, man. Faith will go beyond what you think and what you understand. Check this out. Psalm 37, 4. I already talked about this. We delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The key to answered prayer is a heart that delights in the Lord. John chapter 14, 12 through 14 says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so then the other thing was, people say, well, God doesn't answer your prayers because he wants to get glory. Well, this debunks that whole argument right there. What he, Jesus says is that God gives glory when your prayers are answered. Man, can you look up one more scripture for me? Um, there's a, whenever the blind man was blind, the disciples said, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither one sinned. Or and he said, well, just can you find it for me? I don't want to mess it up. John 9.3. All right, can you, can you read that? Or I can, I can read it. John 9.3. And as he passed by, verse 1, 9-1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must, he, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work as long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground, made mud, and with his saliva, then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Oh, man, this is awesome. So, Jesus, they're coming up on this guy, and they're like, Who sinned? Him or his parents? Why is he blind? He's like, man, he's blind for the glory of God. Man, the people say this all the time. Oh, man. So I have a sickness or I have a defect or whatever, and this is for the glory of God. But that's not what Jesus taught right here. He, Jesus did not say that the guy was blind for the glory of God. Jesus said, he says right here, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God doesn't get glory in the sickness or the deformity, or the defect. God gets glory in the deliverance, in the resurrection, in the healing, in the salvation. God gets glory when prayers get answered. He doesn't get glory when people are dying and going to hell. You know? I mean, justice is served, and God is declared as a just God when people die and go to hell, because they get what, they, what was coming to them, because of their sin. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being real. Whenever we are when we sin, okay, we are already condemned. And therefore, because of that sin, we have to answer for what we've done. You know? That's just the truth, man. But Jesus loves us so much. That God loves us so much. He sent his own son to die for us that we, we didn't have to perish. That if we receive Jesus, we can have salvation. 
So God doesn't get glory. It is not the desire of God that we perish and go to hell. It is God's desire that we repent and live. It is, God doesn't get glory. <clears throat> this is awesome. God does not get glory in the fact that people are going to hell, man. God gets glory when we receive him and become a new creation in him and have victory in him and walk in conquering and overcoming this world by our faith. God gets glory when we have faith and move mountains. That's when God gets glory. He doesn't get glory when we're stuck in our pit. We got to get that in our head. This is important. Otherwise, we'll never pray. Well, it must be for the glory of God. This guy has a sickness, and then we never pray. Say, so if what your theology, if your theology leads you to not pray, then it's bad theology. If your theology leads you to be a passive Christian, then it's bad theology. It's not sound doctrine. You know, I talked about it before about how sound, and I've, I've mocked the idea of sound doctrine, and I think it's because in the church today, we declare sound doctrine as what everybody agrees upon. You know, there is such thing as sound doctrine, but it doesn't require a vote from everybody else. It, true sound doctrine is what God says, regardless of the vote. True sound doctrine is what God says, regardless of what everybody else thinks. And what happens is, man, everybody's looked with their experience, they looked at with their coincidence, they looked at the, the hand that they were dealt, and they just decide to go ahead and build their faith off of what they see instead of what off the word of God says. And it's very dangerous. And there's no victory in that. In John 14, it says, Ask whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And I wrote on here, the word whatever has no limits. No limits. We need to stop limiting God by our unbelief. Immediately when we say whatever, everybody's like, well, that can't possibly be everything. That couldn't possibly mean what... Immediately the devil comes and tries to steal away the word because you have no understanding. Immediately. And after I say, whatever you ask in my name, immediately, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're super righteous or not. If you're super, you know, I don't care, dude. When you hear that word, immediately doubt starts to set in. You have to cast the thought down. <laughs> I don't care how far along spiritually you are. If you hear that word, whatever you ask, Immediately your heart goes, ah, it couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> something in it, man. The devil is trying to steal this word like crazy, man. Trying to steal it. The first temptation when reading <clears throat> this is to say what the devil said in the garden. Did God really say? That's the first temptation. When you read that scripture is, did God really say? That's what the devil did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? The very first temptation. But in... But in case we missed it, Jesus repeats himself over and over and over again. And notice that the, that the Father is glorified when our prayers are answered. John 15, 7 through 8 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So we're talking about not an unanswered prayers here. We're talking about how to get your prayers answered. You know? I'm trying to build faith here. John 15, 7 through 8. Another thing, dude, just, just for a minute. If, if we get all wrapped up in how our prayers are unanswered, the truth is it's unbelief. That's just the truth. And we're going to get to that here in a minute. When we get there, though, we don't want to beat everybody up. I don't want everybody who's listening to get all beat up and condemned. Like, well, how am I ever going to overcome my unbelief? Dude, that's not what God wants. He wants you to overcome your unbelief. And it's simple. You just die to yourself, forget about your opinions about the matter, and just embrace God's opinion about the matter. That's what prayer is. Prayer is simply agreeing with God's word. It's simply submitting to God's word. Faith has everything to do, to, everything to do with humility. It has nothing to do with your own opinion. So what we do is we look with our eyes and we immediately create an opinion. Well, maybe this is what, and that's how we always start because we really don't know. And listen, everybody who goes off coincidence, they are unconfident. If anybody goes off co coincidence, they are very unconfident, man. 
Well, coincidence. Well, maybe. That's how they always lead their sentence. Well, maybe. They're not confident. They don't have faith in what, they, what they're saying. They don't even believe what they're saying. It's powerful. And it's double-minded. And, and, and that type of thing never gets prayers answered. And that's why they talk about it all the time. Well, God doesn't answer prayers sometimes. That's the only thing they can talk about because they don't have any prayers that have been answered because they all operate in unbelief. That's all I can talk about. I remember that's, that was like the top. Listen, we never talked about how to get your prayers answered when I grew up in church. We always talked about how our prayers weren't answered. You know why? Because we had an epidemic of unanswered prayers. An epidemic of unanswered prayers. And so we had to do these teachings to make people feel better so they wouldn't quit church and leave on us. That is tickling people's ears, man. We gotta stop doing that. He's not teaching the truth. It's unbelief. When we start believing in coincidence, it's our eyes, and it always leads to unbelief. If what you're basing your faith off is what you see, it will always lead to unbelief. Always, every time. And will not set you free because it's not the truth. It's not the truth. This is good. John 15, 7 through says, 7 through 8 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So another key to answered prayer is constant communion with the Father. Faith is built when we consume, when we're consumed by Him. We have to be consumed. If you abide in me and I abide in you. So this is a constant communion. Listen, you got to unplug from this entertainment thing. You got to unplug from entertainment. You got to unplug from what the world has to offer you and realize it's nothing. It's just going to lead you to a pointless life of self-worship. Pointless life. Constant communion with the Father, man. Always praying. Always seeking His face, man. Always, you know, some of the greatest people that ever operated in faith, like Smith Wigglesworth, he'd read his Bible every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes. There was no getting on Facebook for him. There was no watching TV or even reading the newspaper. Every 15 minutes, he'd pull out his word and he'd be reading his Bible. Building his faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You know, here's a challenge to some thoughts. If the devil never sleeps, why do we? The devil doesn't sleep, man. He is constantly coming after us. Constantly trying to destroy us. Constantly trying to destroy our faith. Yet we want to take, you know, a break. If we realized, if we could see in the spirit what was really going on, we'd never take a break. You know? I know this is really radical what I'm saying right now. But it's the truth, man. If we could realize how what's going on in the spirit right now, I don't think we would... We're on borrowed time, man. Any day now, Jesus is coming back. And everybody you never talked to about Jesus is going to hell. <laughs> everybody you passed by because you were so distracted by Facebook, you're walking right past them, or you're on the... Whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? Self-entertainment, whatever you did to entertain yourself. Now, all these people that you could have been talking to. That's kind of a serious deal. The scripture says every idle word will be judged. It's really sobering. Kind of fearful, honestly. Man, I'm not, I mean, I'm just being real. It's, I, I, man, I'm not saying you don't like... Like, there's, there's things that should be... Like, I do things... I want to try to do things that are meaningful for my children. You know? Meaningful with my family. That build the kingdom of God. Because your family is a kingdom of God too. You know? So that we should do meaningful things. I'm not saying you don't do meaningful things. Okay? That may even have a form of entertainment to them. My point is though, if we're consumed with entertainment, about worshiping self, then we miss it. We miss the kingdom of God. Okay? Kingdom of God begins right with your family. Alright, check this out. 
John 15, 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Again, we're talking about answered prayers. How do you get answered prayers? you got to know who you are in Christ, that you're his friend. Go and bear fruit. Preaching the gospel, I'm telling you what. Matthew 18 18 through 20 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I'm I'm reading all these scriptures because Jesus says it over and over again. You're going to get what you ask. You're going to get what you ask. You're going to get what you ask for. And it requires faith, man. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. The scripture says right here, we have been approved. We've been approved to bind and loose things in heaven and on earth. We literally bring heaven to earth. We literally allow the kingdom of God to invade earth. You're the portal. You, you know, the scripture says that Jacob fell asleep and saw this ladder up and down, right? It was like this portal where the angels came up and down. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, Surely I tell you, you will see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He was talking about himself. Jesus became the portal to heaven. The access point. When you receive Jesus Christ inside of you, now you are the access point. The scripture says that I am now the light of the world. You know? I'm not a child of God. Jesus lives in me. I've become one with him. He lives on the inside of me. When I walk into a place, the ladder, Jacob's ladder walks into that room. And the angels ascend and descend from here to there. There's a portal from here to heaven. And I can bring heaven to here. You see what I'm saying? That's why Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And whenever he would cast out the demon, he'd say, for surely if the finger of God did this, or the Holy Spirit did this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you when they cast out the demon. He's talking about how the kingdom of God comes. When the kingdom of God encounters earth, miraculous things happen, and people get set free. You know, we're talking about the key to our answered prayer. Jesus is the key to our answered prayer because he's our portal to heaven. Now Jesus lives inside of you. You have the portal of heaven right here. You have access right here to bring heaven right here. But if we don't know that about ourselves, we'll constantly be living in unbelief. Constantly. That's why it says, he who abides in me and I in them, ask whatever you want and you'll get it. Why? Because you're abiding in him. You're walking in him. You're not, you're, listen, if you're doing this, the scripture says love of the world is hatred towards God. The entertainment thing, love of the world, hatred towards God. You're not abiding in God when you're, when you're submerged into to the world. You're not abiding in him at that moment. You see what I'm saying? We have to abide in him, allow him to move through us, and it consumes us like a consuming fire that doesn't consume, like the burning bush, man. Then miraculous things happen. We encounter God, and people encounter God through us. We encounter God, and, God, and people encounter God through us. When we're consumed by him, when we abide in him, when we're not consumed with our own self and our flesh, but we're consumed with him and the kingdom of God. I wrote on here, we don't believe that we deserve it. So the question I put on here, why do we believe that God will not answer our prayers? And I believe that a lot of the answer is because we don't believe we deserve it. And of course, we don't. 
Jesus paid for this access. Let us not lessen the gravity and weight of the price that was paid for us. Hmm. When we don't believe he will answer our prayers, when we don't believe he answers our prayers, we cheapen the price tag of grace. Say that again. When we don't believe that he will answer our prayers, when we don't believe that he will answer our prayers, we cheapen the price tag of grace. And we call it a, a hot check. When we don't believe that God's going to answer our prayers, it's equivalent to calling the cross a hot check. Oh, it's going to bounce. It ain't going to work. It's powerful. This is a direct attack against faith. The righteous will walk by faith. So the devil will attack our faith by deceiving us with lies and twisted truth. The truth will set us free. If what you believe isn't setting us free, if what we believe isn't setting us free, then it cannot be the truth. Or there is nothing, or, or, or there's something corrupt about it. If we don't believe that we are righteous, then we won't get it. Having faith in your righteousness, standing right standing with God, is what actually gives you access to answered prayers. You have to believe that you're righteous or you don't have access to answered prayers. This unshakable faith in your right standing with God makes you have confidence before God. This confidence is faith. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Okay, so listen. This is powerful. The scripture states that if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. Humility brings grace. Humility is to submit to God. It is not lack of confidence. It is actually submission to what God says about you, and it creates great confidence. You cannot have faith without humility. Both, humili both faith and humility will escort grace in your life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, and James 4 through 6 talk about that. <clears throat> and according to James 4, 6, we can receive even more grace. We can grow in faith. We can grow in grace, which is awesome. Okay? It's confidence, man. We can't throw away our confidence. So again, when you start struggling with unbelief, and you don't see your prayers being answered, you have to choose to not throw away your confidence. You have to choose. Romans chapter 4 talks about how Abraham is one of my favorite verses. I say it all the time. Abraham says, it says in the book, in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 5, I believe, that Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered that his body was as good as dead. It says that he let no distrust cause him to waver. Another translation said he let no unbelief cause him to waver concerning the promise of God. Abraham struggled with unbelief. But he chose to take his unbelief, throw it aside, and say, I'm going to choose to believe. Faith is a choice, man. Faith is humility. Faith is to submit. Faith is to humble yourself before God and say, you know what? In my opinion right now, I don't think it's going to work out. But God says it's going to work out. So I'm going to say, yes, sir. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to submit to what he says. And I'm going to obey what he says. And I'm going to agree with what he says. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't mean that you absolutely have no unbelief. Faith just means that you know how to throw your unbelief aside. That's what we, we encounter with Matthew chapter 17. I'm not going to get into that. I talk about that too much. Okay, James 5, 16 through 18. Actually, I put some on here. Grace is not the dismissal of sin. Where people oftentimes believe grace is the, just the dismissal of sin. Mercy is the dismissal of sin. Grace is the power to overcome in your situation of need. It is the favor of, from God to receive answers to your prayers. 
<clears throat> James 5, 16 through 18. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So we see that the prayers of the righteous avail with much. So as we humble ourselves before God, we can receive this righteousness. When we know who we are in Christ, then we can believe that he's going to answer our prayers because the prayers of the righteous avail with much. When we believe that we have access to him, when we believe that we're like Jesus. See, Jesus, when he prayed for something, he always got it. Jesus always got what he prayed for. Why? Because God favored him. He was his favorite. He was his, we were like, oh, well, Jesus got the prayers answered because he was the son of God. Well, don't you know the same rule applies to you? You're a son of God now, so you get your prayers answered now. Jesus said this, I never did anything I don't see my father doing. So this is why it's so important. It says he who abides in me and I abide in him, then he'll get whatever he asks for. Why? Because when you abide in him, you start to see what the father wants. When you start to abide in him, your heart changes. What happens is when you abide in him, you submit to him. When you submit to him, your heart changes and it breaks for what, he breaks, for, for what breaks his heart. You start to humble yourself and actually begin to change. So you can't abide in Christ without experiencing drastic change in your heart. If you're abiding in him, you're not going to be praying for selfish reasons. If you're abiding in him, you're going to be praying for his reasons. You're going to be praying for his kingdom, not your own kingdom. It's not going to be selfish. And every time you pray for a sick person, it's not selfish. You're praying for, for the deliverance of God, to display the glory of God in their life, for them to be completely healed. Why? Because it brings glory to God when they get healed, not when they're in sickness. This is hard, man. This is, man, it's so good. This is so good. If we could get it, man. If we could get who we really were, I mean, if, listen, if Jesus could do it, you can do it. If Jesus could do it, you can do it. That's actually a big lie. That the, 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 the opposite is what the church, a lot of the church believes. They say, well, he, he could do that because he was the son of God. You know, he was a special person. Jesus never once ever said, never once did he ever say, well, I did that miracle because I am the son of God. He said, believe the words that I'm speaking to you. And if you don't believe the words, then believe by the works that I do. What was the words? The words was that God has a day of salvation for us now in Jesus Christ. And he said all these things. He said in John 14, whatever, he says, if anyone believes in me, he'll do the same things I've been doing. So his words, check this out. Let's go over to John chapter 14, man. Check this out. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, I've... Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe, <clears throat> do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves. All right, so he's talking about how the Father is now inside him. Okay, this is so cool. He's saying the Father is inside me, and I'm doing the works because of the Father that's inside of me. And he says, don't believe me by what I'm saying. Believe me by the works. I just did all these miracles. You can believe that the Father is in me. Now, this is so cool. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, watch this. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Watch this. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is so, so awesome. Watch this. So, we see that in the passage where he says, believe according to the works. Watch this. Believe according to the works 
that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This is so awesome. That the Father is in me. And this is how I'm doing the works. If you don't believe me, believe the works that I'm doing. Right? And then right after that, he says, hey, if any of y'all, if anyone believes in me, he'll do the same things I've been doing. Okay, so the works that he did proved the fact that the Father was in him. And then all of a sudden he says, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works. What does this infer according to what he just said? If you believe in me, the Father will be in you. And you can do the work. See, it wasn't the fact that he was the Son of God or some special person. It's the fact that he had communion with the Father. His communion with the Father allowed him to do the works. He says, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works. So if we believe in him, we'll have communion with the Father. Check this out. If you actually look in here, dude, you'll see this. This is awesome. Oh, man. We'll keep reading. Right? How do, I know, how do I know that it's talking about the Father coming inside of us? It's so cool, man. It's so awesome. Look at this. He says, the Father is in me. Therefore, because the Father is in me, I'm going to do these works. You don't believe me? Believe me by the works that I'm doing. Hey, and if you believe me, you'll do the same works. How is that going to happen? Let me explain it. Right here. Chapter, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, but he will be in you I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Watch this. He's talking about, listen, you're going to get everything that I got. Verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and, and you in me. Watch this. Oh, it's so cool. This is cool. In that day, verse 20, chapter 14, verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. It's so awesome. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone, 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 not just the disciples, anyone, that's you, me, anyone. If you want to look up the definition of anyone, if you've got some problems with that definition, just look it up. It's going to tell you that anyone means anyone. Like, it's everyone. Anyone, anyone. I don't have any way. Any person. Any human being. Any individual. Any one person. There's no limits to this word. If anyone loves me, watch this, he will keep my word, watch this, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. This is so awesome. Up here, it's saying right here. I do the works because the Father is inside me. Don't believe me by what I'm saying. Just believe the works. Then you'll know that the Father is inside me. Guess what? If you believe me, keep my words. Right here, if anyone loves me, and he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. So how can we do the miracles? Not just by believing. We believe what Jesus did. We believe what he, Jesus had offered us. And in Jesus, we have the Father. And the Father comes inside of us. See, what Jesus paid for was the Father. No man comes to the Father except by me. So how are we going to do the miracles, man? Listen, it's, it's not a matter of special giftings or talents or anything like that. It's, it has everything to do with does the Father live and reside inside you. When the Father resides inside you, nothing's impossible. Absolutely nothing. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, watch this, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, what's so crazy about this is so many people are like, well, we just can't know the will of God. You can't know the will of God apart from the Holy Spirit. But when he sends his Holy Spirit to you to come dwell inside of you, he says right here, he will teach you all things. Some good stuff. Well, I probably ran out of time. Or I'm out of my time. Done? Dunsky? In, in the name of Jesus, we're going to stop right there. We're going to pick up again later. I thank you, Father, right now that we'll know what it really means to walk in communion with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. That we'll know what it means to operate in communion with you, Father, and that we'll abide in you. And, Lord, we'll know who we truly are in you. That, Father, you gave us access to have communion and for you to dwell inside of us and make us tra and transform us father we're not we're superhuman now because we're inside you it says in second peter that now we have uh, we are partakers in the divine nature man there's something about it now like there there's nothing impossible with us if we could just get a hold of who we really were man we'd know how dangerous we really were for the for against the kingdom of darkness and how powerful we were and effective we were for the kingdom of light and I thank you, Father, that everyone who's been listening will be transformed by this word and know that they can get their prayers answered. And I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as Aligned Ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.